Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that surely I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy. And honor is such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. Risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. All right, how are we doing, everybody? Good morning. Welcome to Wells Branch Community Church. I am so glad that all of you are here today. This is a great day. And uh, so welcome back or welcome for the first time. If you're watching online, I'm so glad you're here as well. My name is Chris Pleckenpole, and it's a mouthful, so you might want to practice saying it a couple times before we have a conversation. Uh, one of the things we love to do here, though, is we love questions. And so when there's no question out of bounds, go ahead and ask it. We would love to get with you on that, and we'll answer all those uh, throughout the week on social media. Now, uh, how many of you have kind of gotten back into your regular routine, at least with like going to the gym? Do I have anybody in here or online, if you could just raise a hand for me? How many of you guys have been back to the gym? Anybody? All right, so um, one of my favorite things about the gym, like the gym experience, maybe not so much lifetime, but like if you're like a gold gym person or like a 24-hour person or maybe LA fitness person, there's always at the gym, there are those two guys and they're wearing... Um, tank tops, which are really more like two strings attached in the middle, and uh, they're pretty much trying as much as possible to show as much of their physique as possible, uh, because, you know, you've got to always, you, your muscles can't grow unless you see them in the mirror. And so, uh, but the thing that I love is that there'll be a guy, like, on the bench, and he'll be like this, <sighs> like, he is literally doing perfect Lamaze breathing, like, he could give birth at any moment, and then you got another guy right next to him in his, like, right in his ear saying, these, oh, these weights are your beep, and he's like, you know, he's going, in, and then you own these weights, you will show these weights who they are, and he's like, <laughs> and he's kind of getting the thousand yard stare in his eyes, and he's like, and he, now all of a sudden, he, and he has just like this one nod, he's like, and he goes back under the bench. He grabs hold of it, launches it up, and he's like, and then, and then there's this part where he gets it finally at the top, slams on the rack, 
comes up, pops up, and he starts cussing at some invisible person right in front of him, then chest bumps his buddy, and then they change spots, and they do the whole thing all over again. There is nothing for me that's more invigorating than for me to watch that. I know there's entire gyms that are built, designed around not seeing that. But for me, I love it because I know that a long time ago, they did not look like they looked at that day. I know that they were probably pencil neck punks at one time, and they didn't have surgery. They used, used the body that they had, and they worked it out. <clears throat> and then the sound of the grunt, you know, that... Uh, <laughs> It inspires me spiritually because I, it, it reminds me of how God trans, transforms a person spiritually from a weakling to a spiritual giant. And um, what I've noticed in our culture, we are, um, in general, I'd, I'd say we're the product of the four or five people that we hang around most. And what can happen if you're hanging around a person that is not... Um, spiritually strong, you sort of like gravitate to their depth, their strength, all of that. And so what can happen is if someone's not okay spiritually and you're, the four or five people around you are not okay spiritually, you're okay with not being okay. And then all sen- essentially nobody is growing and we're not working out our salvation. Now listen, listen. At a time when our country from Seattle to Atlanta is at a point of crisis. Do we need spiritually weak Christians or do we need spiritually strong Christians? When there is global pandemic, when there is national social unrest, when there is economic downturn, recession-like stuff, any moment now when the nuclear family has been just destroyed, is this a time where we need to just be like, nah, we'll figure it out. Or is this a time to start training and working out the salvation that's such a beautiful gift? That's my question. And I would, you know, listen, I would say that it's time for us to work out our salvation. And I think a lot of us have a third grade spiritual routine. Like whatever it is, we've reduced Christianity to a couple stories uh, that have no bearing on our lives. And then when we get pressed, when crisis comes we crumble. And so this morning, I want us to be people who work out our salvation. And some of the reasons why we don't, um, we struggle working out our salvation is because we, well, we complain. We are a, a nation, just, just culturally, of negative connectors, right? Here's the way it works. Man, it's so hot outside. Yeah, man, it's been, it was hotter than it was yesterday. I hate the heat. I can't wait to get in the AC. And you've become, made a friend. That's how our culture is, and there's nothing wrong with that, but what it transcends to is negative everything, okay? What about this? Uh, we don't work out our salvation because, well, we, we quit when it gets hard. You want to be spiritually mature. You would even say church is important, but it got hard. And remember, we've become discomfort intolerant, and we don't want to be challenged, and we don't want to grow, and we don't want anyone to sort of like press us. And so when that, when something's uncomfortable, what do we do? We're like, nah, I'm good. I'm going back to my place where it's safe, going back to my circle of four or five friends who don't ever challenge me. I get to be who I am, what I am, and no one's ever going to challenge, no one's going to challenge me to grow. And so I quit. 
Okay, or how about this? Um, we struggle to work out our salvation because, well, we don't think we need a trainer. And what's so strange, you would say, like, even the best golfers, like Tiger Woods has a coach. Tom Brady has a trainer. You guys know who his name is? Alex Guerrero, all right? You, have, you don't know his name. In fact, he developed a brand, TB12, and it's got this 40-something-year-old man playing starting quarterback for one of the best teams in the National Football League year in and year out, and it's like he doesn't age. How is that possible? He's got a trainer. And I would submit to you that everybody needs a trainer. And I think what happens is we don't think, we're like, I can read. <laughs> I mean, I know that you read the Bible. I know how to pray. I mean, that's just talking to an invisible person, right? But we don't do it. And so I think there's a part of us that, that needs to work out our salvation to strengthen that faith muscle. We need a trainer. And so we're going to talk about that as well. We are in um, the, the series called Joy Unshackled. And what we've been saying is that our joy has been shackled for so long to our circumstances. And you might even say, I can't believe we've been in this pandemic and it's so bad and I, all I want to do is be um, free and I'm under house arrest. Well, the guy writing this letter had great joy in house arrest. Only difference was instead of maybe being shackled to your spouse, he was shackled to a Roman guard. And maybe you're like, well, that was easier. Okay, listen, I, I get it. And so what I want you to see is that there is this thing that there is joy even in a house arrest situation. And he's writing this letter to a church that was awesome, except for the fact it was really divided. Different factions had risen up in the church, and people who, were, who really believed in Jesus and who really thought that God was great and all that had become divided. And there was infighting even there at the church. I know, shocking, but I know, I know. Only at a church a couple thousand years ago would you have this issue of people not getting along at church, right? That was a joke. Everyone online, that was not serious. Okay. Okay. So here we are. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bible or you have your uh, electronic device, go to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 12. Okay? Verse 12 is where we're starting. And Paul has just finished uh, writing about how desperately this church needs to be reunited. So now he's going he's to call them to like obey him, right? Obey my call to be united, ready? So therefore, my beloved, I wanted you to see this word. It's not like just do what I told you because I'm in charge. It's this thing of, that, the, the Greek word here is agape toy. Do you guys know agape love? You ever heard that word? Agape means like sacrificial love, the way that God loves humanity, this deep love that would go to great lengths, even God becoming man, dying on a cross type lengths. You know, there's phileo love, like we're on the same team, football love, or, you know, where uh, there's uh, eros love, like erotic love, like, you know, it's, you know where I'm going. There is uh, ludus love, which is like fun love, you know, like that's where you get the word ludicrous from or name ludicrous from. Like that, that's where that comes from. It's this fun sort of uh, love, but this is like sacrificial love. These are my agape-ers, the people that I am in love with, like the way that God loves. Not now. As you have always obeyed, so now, not only is it my presence, how, but much more my absence. Remember, this whole thing is based on unity. And then he's going to take it this direction. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, on first read of this, this is where you might be like, I thought it was about grace. I don't really feel much grace here. This looks like it's a lot of work, and that makes me kind of nervous. But that's because we always stop right here, because verse 13 explains it. For it is God 
who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So who's doing the work? little help, little help. Uh, God, God's doing the work to will and to work his good pleasure. What's your job? Your job is to work out your own salvation with the fear and trembling part. And so I, I've been trying to figure out a good way to explain that. And I think C.S. Lewis does it really probably the best. I've been reading uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to my sons at night. That's been like our nightly reading. And it gets to the part about Aslan. You know, Aslan is like the Jesus figure who's a lion. And so uh, they're like, is Aslan safe? That's like the first question, which I think that's like, is, is it safe? And Mr. Reed, by no means is he safe, but he is good. And then when they get into the presence of Aslan, the kids are like shaking. It's like their whole insides are like wanting to like implode on itself, but at the same time, they're drawn to him. It's like this unbelievable sense of, I feel love, but at the same time, I'm terrified out of my mind. That's sort of what he's talking about, how the goodness of God is that strong and powerful, created the universe, spoke the world into existence, has that amount of power, but as a father who adopted you into his care, he has deep love and concern for you. That's what it means. So here it is. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to allow God to work through us? Do all things. Do some things. No, do all things. Do all things at work, all things at school, all things at home, all things at church. Okay, did you guys get that part? Do all things without grumbling or disputing. We're already doing that, right? <laughs> Again, negative culture, our primary language is complaining. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights. How, why is it not? It's a plural here. This is a you all. That you, y'all shine as as lights in the world. Uh, okay, I was at Sam's Club. I was doing a pickup for because, you know, I'm like loving and gracious. And Adrian made the, the pickup on her phone and I went to pick it up and I took Titus with me, which should give me points. And so I get there and I, listen, I don't like uncomfortable. Like I like, I like signs that tell me exactly where I'm supposed to go. I like greeters outside who kind of like, you know, wave me in. And any, like any second, millisecond of unsureness, I'm about to leave. Okay, that, that is just in me. It is like, I cannot handle it. I, I don't love, like, and if I don't know where something is in the store, do you think I'm going to ask somebody? No, because I'm going to figure out myself as opposed to ask somebody because then I'm going to get in this weird conversation. They don't know where it is either, either, and then I feel awkward that they feel awkward. Everybody feels awkward. Okay, so that's me. So I roll up, and there, they, there aren't great signs. I call Adrian. I say, Adrian, the signs aren't out. I don't know where to go. She's like, go to the drive-thru. I'm like, okay, go to the drive-thru. I pull up. Adrian, there's nobody here. And she's like, you know, she has to walk me through this because... It's traumatic. And then, uh, so I get there and I'm waiting for like literally 10, 15 minutes at the Sam's Club, like pickup thing thinking, and I've heard through experience that my wife has, has that they never show up and you have to go in there and find somebody, eventually just grab your own groceries and leave. And you don't even know if you've paid for it or not. It's awful. Anyway, so I'm sitting there and I'm going, they're not here. She says, you have to wait. They are notoriously late. That's the way it is. Okay, got it. So eventually a lady comes out and she just looks like flabbergasted, exhausted, all the, you know, just like, She's been way overworked, way underpaid, all that. And she shows up, name! And I'm like, 
And I'm like, oh gosh, this is where it always goes dad, bad. <laughs> Pleck and pull. She's like, what? And I'm like, oh gosh, okay. Uh, P-L-E-K. I ain't seen your name in here. Do you have a receipt? And I'm like, oh, here's my phone. It says that right here. She's like, oh yeah, it does say this. Right, hold on. So she goes, and like, all my worst fears. Everything's coming true. I, I told, I knew this would happen. So then she comes back and I'm like, you know, leaning into like smiling and being super positive because I know that my negativity could turn her day into even worse, and I know that she's like at a point of popping. So she comes back like, I can't find it anywhere. I said, it's spelled with a P. Oh, I thought you said a B. Okay. P-L-E-K. Just start there. Usually that, that figures out. So she does. Eventually she comes back. She's like, oh, and you have a baby in there. Oh, my gosh, that's so cute. And then, then I'll never forget this. She loads it. She's like, why are you so happy? And I'm like, Oh, I said, oh, you didn't know? I got Jesus. And she looks at me like this, and she goes, uh-huh. And then she, like, closes the door and, like, gets out. But I promise you, like, from that interaction where everything inside me was like, I hate my life, I hate my life. And I, 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 I was like, listen, it's my role to shine like a light in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. This might be the only joy she has. And she asked me what the source of that was, and I was ready. It was like, yes! So listen, listen. Christians work out their salvation without complaining. Now, here's, here's, uh, here's what I want you to see. It goes like this. All right, so you guys have, you guys have seen the guys who work out, and then they... They tell you about it. You guys know these people? They don't just tell you. They don't mention, like, I worked out, like, oh, man, working out some squats. And, like, there was this point at which I literally thought I was going to die. I almost, in fact, I threw up a little bit in my mouth. And, like, I didn't really need to hear that, but uh, thanks. And they're like, no, 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 it's, like, right here to right here. This, the pain is, it's like, right there. Mm. All right, and then, and then you're like, are you okay? And like, no, it was awesome. I'm like getting so shredded off this workout. And you're like, wait a minute, wait. I thought you just told me about all the pain you were in, how difficult it was, and you loved it. He's like, yeah, about to get a new PR, man. I'm about, and they're like, PR, personal record. They're going to lift more weight. They're going to do more reps. It's going to be this incredible experience. And they're looking forward to more pain. I'm like, you know, that's not really the way it goes in most of life. I mean, I mean how many have been like, man, just got laid off. Man, I'm so wrecked. My family wrecked. And I am so getting stronger. Oh! Like nobody does that. But imagine, imagine if you were, had like spiritual stamina that wasn't like wet bread and you could like endure and you could endure some of the hardship that life comes with, right? And then when stuff happens, like AC just broke down, have $1,700 to repair on my car and, you know, mortgages do. Lost my job. No, ain't no thing. This, I'm going to get even mm, stronger. Imagine if that's sort of how we looked at life. Okay, okay. Because you were growing spiritually. And here's probably what reality is. It might look like this one day when you're serving in children's ministry. Please talk to Tanya when you do this. Um, but you'll be like, man, served in children's ministry today. I got bitten. Calmed the tantrum. Uh, I kept the kids' attention for an hour and a half because Chris preached too long. What's up? And it was awesome. I can't wait for next week. I'm going to get some more of that. Do you see the difference? Do you see what happens when you um, get in an environment where the normal is, I'm going to put myself, let's, watch this, watch this. When you work out your body, 
you are intentionally putting your muscles under stress. Did you guys know that? That's how you grow. And it's not like, um, remember, you're working out the muscles that you already have, the spiritual muscle that you already have. God gave you a new heart. He gave you a brand new heart, and so you work out that heart. So you don't need it. He, you don't have to go find the heart. He gives it to you. You don't have to like work really hard so your heart will be strong enough. He gives you the heart, and then you work out the heart that you have that's brand new, and you're going to run, and you're going to train, and it's going to get stronger, and it's going to endure more so you won't crumble when crisis hits. You won't look like the rest of the world when uh, your social media posts will reflect hope even when darkness seems to reign. Do you see that? Do you see that? That there is a hope that we have. We have a solution. We have, it, we have answers and that Jesus is the solution to the struggles of economic downturn and racial injustice. Jesus is that answer. And I feel like this is the part where we lean into it. Because when it gets... We want to complain. We want to point fingers. And what Paul is writing here is like, listen, you're going to get to this place where you're going to grow your faith. Instead of looking at your traps, you're going to say, look at my latissimus faith side. Right? Because of our strength is growing in us that God is willing to will and to work for his good pleasure. All right. Now, what's interesting about this, this is the biggest English run-on sentence of all time. So thankfully, it's in Greek, and so you don't have to worry about Paul's grammar. It was amazing. But for us, in the translation, the sentence uh, starts at verse 14 and doesn't end until all the way through verse 16. So let me remind you of what it is before I move forward. So do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, who, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, okay, holding fast to the word of life, clinging, never letting go, not quitting, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, now watch the way he's phrasing this, Do you don't quit so that on the day of Christ, I may be proud. It's, it's really interesting. You don't quit so I may be proud that I did not run or labor in vain. What's he saying there? I have so much invested in you. And when you guys claim Christ and have all these different disputes and all these different struggles, it, it makes me worry. I'm, I'm anxious for you. Even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering, we say it differently in our culture, even if I'm burnt out. Upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. In other words, don't feel sorry for me. Don't whine for me. Don't go, oh, he's having it so hard. He's having to spend so much time. He's been killing it in children's ministry. He's been killing it. On the, he's been sweating in the parking lot. Don't feel sorry for them. They're pouring out their life. They're getting, the gospel is moving forward through them as they're doing God's will and his work and he's working through them. Don't make this about feeling sorry for them. They're on the front lines of pushing back. Darkness, it's a great joy. Does that make sense? Don't get to the place where feeling sorry for people who are doing great work, kingdom-minded work. Now, look, in other words, Christians work out their salvation with perseverance. We don't quit. Uh, here, here's what I mean by that. Do you believe, let, let, let's just, in, online if you're watching, let, please chime in. Do you believe that if you hold fast to a diet, 
that you lose weight. I mean, I'm talking more than like a day. Like if you hold fast to a diet for like a solid six months, will you look outwardly different? If you go to the gym for a solid six months and you work out and you put your muscles intentionally under stress, will you get stronger? If you go to a school and you read books and you take tests and the professor or the teacher puts you under intellectual stress, will you know more, know more stuff? Now, you might not be smarter or wiser, but will you at least know more facts? Yeah, yeah, you will. That's why, that's why every trainer or every like, place, their advertising is before, after. If you're consistent with whatever we're doing, you're going to go from looking like this to looking like this. And so there's a reality of how do we not quit? All right, I'm going to give you three things on how to not quit. There's acts of commission, okay? Things you do. Things you do. Um, there are also think, acts of omission, things you don't do. So, so things of commission would look like read your Bible, pray, um, fast, uh, love one another, uh, share the gospel. There are things that you do, and that grows your faith. Okay, that, that's going to make you stronger. Now, there are also things you don't do. Don't watch porn. Don't, uh, don't go to places that would put you in um, a temptation or temptations of struggle. Don't be tempted. Don't move to, now, not that temptation is sin, but don't go to a place where you put yourself in intentional temptation. Don't, um, don't sin. <laughs> don't get drunk. Don't get high. Basic stuff, right? This is basic stuff. That's how you get stronger spiritually. Now, here's the problem. I'm going to get to the third thing. What happens for a lot of us when it comes to our quiet times, maybe you're like a, a person that's like, I'm either all in or I'm all out. If I don't get my hours worth of quiet time, I don't do it at all because it's just not worth it. No, no, but there are people, right? There's people, like if I can't get a solid two hours at the gym, it's just worthless. And those people don't have, they don't stick. Right? Am I Right? They don't stick. They don't stick with a workout plan. If they, okay, if you one day you get tempted and you eat two pieces of chocolate cake, there's this thing like I already eaten two. Might as well eat six. No, no, that's what we do, isn't it? We 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 kind of go to that place where like, well, it's already over. Blackballed myself. Can't nothing I can do. And oh, and you just eat everything. Okay, so what what if though we said, listen, it's okay that I ate two pieces of chocolate cake. I. That's not going to ruin me. But there's this weird thinking that we have that it will. But with the reality is we just stay faithful and we give ourselves grace. This is where it's like, if you can't spend an hour, spend five minutes. I always tell people, when you're trying to get back into God's word, I, I do five, five, five. Five minutes reading God's word. Five minutes praying. Five minutes listening. And that five minutes listening will probably be the longest five minutes of your entire life. But pr trust me, you'll grow into it and eventually you'll get to seven minutes and eight minutes. And then what happens is you say, like, oh, I got five minutes. And then all of a sudden, God will give you an hour because you trusted him with five. But will he find faith on the earth for you to give him five minutes? I think this is the part where we end up quitting is because we end up being so hard on ourselves and say, I just can't do it. And what part of this is you doing it? It's approaching God with fear and trembling. Not the kind that makes you think that God is Smitey McSmiterson. It's the kind that says, I know he spoke the whole world to an existence. He might even challenge me to do something I don't ever want to do, like talk to somebody that looks different than me or uh, love someone that looks different than me. Like there is a reality that God is constantly challenging us. But commission, 
there's always things that we do, omission, things that we don't do, and giving ourselves grace, the same kind of grace that Jesus gives us. And then you know what? You end up being a lot better of a person to other people because you can give yourself grace, and then you give others grace. All right. Watch this last 11 verses. Watch. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Timothy is his protege, <clears throat> so that I may too be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. In other words, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus. Everybody else, they're out for themselves, not Timothy. He's awesome. He's after, he loves Jesus, and therefore he loves you. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son of the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Isn't that interesting? I'm not sending him until I know that I can, because I need him. Right now, it's hard here, and I'm in a place where there's not a lot of joy, and he refreshes my spirit, and when he visits me on the daily basis, and I need that. Isn't that awesome? So I hope, therefore, to send him just as I soon how, see how he'll go with me, and I trust in the Lord that surely I myself will also come. So I want to send you Timothy. He's my, my greatest guy, but he's going to be ministering to me, and I need that. So I'm going to send you Epaphroditus. I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my fellow brother, my fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and, you, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all, has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God has had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. In other words, they heard Paul was struggling, he's in uh, house arrest, and here comes the, uh, the Philippian church saying, we're going to send one of our best guys, Epaphroditus, and he comes and ministers to him. And then Epaphroditus gets really sick while he's visiting him. I'm the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. Hold on to that for a second. Did you know it's okay to be anxious? Just not for yourself. Remember, this is the same Paul, chapter 4, don't be anxious about anything but everything with prayer and supplication. Bring your request to God, except when you're anxious about other people. That's the anxiety you should have. When there's, a, there's another people group far away that are suffering, your anxiety for them should cause you to pray for them, to send people to them, to love them. Do you see that? Seeing him again, I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And that wasn't like a um, passive-aggressive comment like, Clearly, you guys weren't doing what you could, and thankfully, Epaphroditus came through. No, no, it's, it's like, it doesn't translate very well from Greek to English, but it's like, I was needing help, and you filled the help that you want to give. It came through Epaphroditus, and I thank you. Thank you so much. And so I'm sending him back to you because the issue that they were having was unity. And so Epaphroditus is going to remind you what it is to be united, and you need to be reminded of this, and he loves you, and he's concerned for your welfare as I am. Now look, Christians work out their salvation with a trainer. Now here's what's interesting. Paul had a trainer. You guys know Paul had a trainer. Paul had a trainer. His trainer, okay, he spent literal time with Jesus. Like Jesus knocks him off his horse. He's riding to Damascus. He's like, Paul, my man, or Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's like, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. Who are you persecuting? Oh, oops, my bad. And then um, he then sends him to Damascus. He meets Ananias. Ananias removes the scales from his eyes. He can see. And then shortly after that, Paul is preaching, he turns into Paul, he's preaching, and he goes and spends time with Jesus in the desert. But he comes back, and people don't trust him, so Barnabas reaches out to him, and he trains him. And he 
is under Barnabas, and Barnabas coaches him, and he trains him. Even Paul had a trainer. The guy who wrote almost half of the New Testament had a trainer. Then, watch this, Paul trains. He's training Timothy and Epaphroditus, and he's sending them to help him, help them do things. Acts of commission, he's going to help them learn how to pray, how to love one another, how to evangelize, how to take care of each other, and things not to do. Don't fight. Don't, get, don't be divided. Don't sin. Okay. Everybody needs a trainer. Tom Brady has a trainer. How old is Tom Brady? Anyone know? He's like 42. He's like, he'll be turning 43 this fall. He's got a trainer named Alex Guerrero, all right? Alex Guerrero, you don't know who he is, but he designed the TB12. Now, I don't know what TB12 method is other than it's Tom Brady's number and it's TB or his initials, and he doesn't really want the glory, although he is invested in Tom Brady, and his whole heart is to see Tom Brady get stronger because the better Tom Brady does, the better it works out for Alex, right? Okay, watch this. If Tom Brady needs a trainer, probably arguably made the best quarterback of all time, if Tiger Woods has a coach... Listen, did you know that NBA players are starting to come back to, uh, you know, they're going to start finishing the season, and it's been a train wreck because they've been without a trainer, and they're out of shape, and guys are like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We've got to get these guys in shape fast. That's what happens when you don't have a trainer. Even pro athletes who you think, like, they're conditioned, they already know how to work out, they already know how to do it all. They have trainers. Listen, me, as a pastor, I've been doing, um, I've been looking at preaching coaches, right? And you're like, thank God, right? You're like, no. No, but the reality is I've been looking at preaching coaches to help me get better because everybody needs a trainer. I had two interviews with them. We're going to start working something out. I'm really excited about it. Remember, uh, the best executive have executive coaches. Everybody, people who are really great with their money have financial advisors. Isn't that right? So why in the world would you say, nah, I don't need anybody to help me with anything? You know what that's called in our world? Discipleship. And what happens is we say, listen, I... I already know it all. My son, when he was uh, three, would tell the swim instructor, I, already, I do this all day. I don't need any help with it. I literally would not get in the pool. I already know all that. And like, we were like, oh gosh, how are we going to train Jet on how to swim? Long story. But here's the thing about um, training. We, what happens, we don't want to surround people, or we end up surrounding ourselves with people who don't challenge us. Remember, we, we are the product of the four or five people that we're surrounded by. And, it's, and, and therefore, we're okay with no change. We're okay with status quo. But remember, it's intentionally putting your muscles under stress, which causes you to grow. Relationally, cross racial boundaries. There's at some point you got to get uncomfortable. Am I right? And so what happens is we need people in our lives that are helping us. And here's what, here's, here's, because here's why what could happen if you don't have this. You know the guy at the gym? Okay, maybe not the guy. You don't see him actually at the gym, but he wears the gym t-shirt. And he's borderline obese, okay? And he's always talking about, you know, he knows the people at the gym, best workouts, and he, he talks this weird talk, and you look at him, it's like, yo, man, when did you start working out? Oh, man, I've been doing this all my life. And at some point, you go, whatever gym he's wearing on his shirt, I'm never going to go to that gym because it clearly doesn't work. Right? And I think there's a lot of Christians, watch this, there's a lot of Christians who are spiritual weaklings, and they're sort of crying out like, listen, look at how great God is. And they're posting stuff on social media. And you're like, yo, man, I see, listen, there's people like Rachel Hollis 
talking about how you got to watch my marriage and you should, I could do marriage coaching for you. And then you watch her marriage fall apart and this like Christian celebrity person all of a sudden is now going through a divorce and you're saying, I don't know if I want to follow that which you are preaching. Because isn't that the thing that makes Christians angry all the time is what? Hypocrisy. It makes non-believers question even like, yeah, whatever, there's no change in you. And it makes Christians go, I quit on the church because clearly your gym isn't doing it. And so my question then is what do trainers do that's so great? They give you a spot that allows you to push the weight up and go do something you've never done before and increase stress for more growth. A trainer can push you. They can model and challenge for you. And a trainer is committed to your overall health, not because they're going to get paid because the TV12 brand is going to go nationwide. No, no, it's because they have an eternal perspective that the person I'm investing in, the discipleship relationship that I have is going to push against a darkened culture that we might truly shine as lights beyond the Sam's Club one-liner. And then we can have a real difference in a real dark world. And so, um, listen, the question I want us to sort of ponder today is how are you working out your salvation? This is the question. How are you working it out? Is this party that sort of like complains and whines and then you end up like not enjoying it and realizing that and not seeing God in it, you're, you're doing all things with complaining and you're complaining because God put you somewhere. So ultimately you're complaining against God which in general, bad idea. Remember, he's a lion, not your buddy. Or what about this? Is it that you're, you, you start down the road and then you quit, you, get, you, get, you mess up and you're like, I'm no good, and, you, and you, just, you believe the lies in your head that you can't do it anyway and you can't work out your own salvation. You've forgotten the part there where it's God's desire to will and to work for his good pleasure. And all you need to do is show up and lean in. Put those spiritual muscles under stress and grow. And maybe you're so afraid of someone seeing that the reality, the darkness of your heart, the stuff that's really under the hood, the stuff that you're going to be confronted by if you had a trainer might tell you you're doing it wrong. We're all afraid of that. That's why you don't go to uh, marriage counseling because you might be told you're doing it wrong. That's why you don't go ask help for finances because you might be told you're doing it wrong. That's why you don't, do, you don't ever ask for help because someone might confront you and say in the most loving way possible, you might be doing it wrong and we're so proud. And we're so like caught up in us being the best at whatever and as opposed to being the reality, I'm just another poor broken sinner in need of some grace. Help me. And that's the start of your muscle growth. And so this morning, um, I wanted to remind you of how this whole thing started. Christianity wasn't born out of muscle and might. It was born out of weakness. That the Savior of the world, Jesus, who had all power, all strength, all ability, came from heaven to earth, and he came to heaven to earth, and he doesn't just start pushing people around and flexing muscle. No, no, he, he comes, and on the night before he was betrayed, he bread and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples saying this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me there's going to be a point when you're going to forget and you're going to think that you can do 
this working out your salvation in your own strength and you're going to forget to feed on me. And so I need to put this sort of weird ceremony in front of you. Your soul feeds on Jesus like your stomach feeds on this bread. And that same night he took the cup. said, this is the blood of the new covenant shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. There would be a point at which you'd forget that your salvation was reckoned by Jesus. That he made you righteous. He who knew no sin died, shed his blood, and he became sin so that you might be the righteousness of God. And just as you receive Jesus, so walk in him. That means that we don't complain when it gets hard. We, we embrace the suck. Th- that means when, um, when it gets hard, we don't quit. We lean into Jesus. We trust him even more. And that means we're not afraid to have other people look into our lives and say, this might be something you should do. This is probably something you shouldn't do. And don't worry when you mess it up. I'm here. And we're going to strengthen those muscles that haven't been used in a long, long time. So this morning, as if you're a person here who has never received Jesus, my prayer for you is that you would receive Christ maybe for the first time. You'd pray a prayer that looked like this. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Sinned against you, my thoughts, words, actions. I believe that you, Jesus, die on the cross for my sins. Holy Spirit, come to my life. Make me the person you want me to be. Jesus rose from the dead to give us new life. And maybe for the first time, you're ready to experience it. And for others of you, Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while and your time of communion, your time of the Lord's Supper is going to be reminding you that it's time to, to lean back in. That maybe there has been some grumbling complaining you need to confess. Maybe there's been some quitting that you need to confess. And listen, did you know there's times to rest? Any good trainer would tell you there's times to really work and train and there's times to recover and there's times to rest. But sometimes we go to complete rest and we, we just sort of wipe the slate clean and say, I'm done, I don't want to get back in the game. And we need someone to remind us what we're called to. And so maybe today is a day you're, you're going to lean into this say, like, maybe I need someone to disciple me, maybe I need someone to train me, and that, or maybe I need to be on the one that's going to train others because when you don't, you become like a pond that's stagnant. When the water's not moving through you, it just gets stuck. And so this morning, as we're going to take a time to pray. If you want to email us at prayer at wellsbranchchurch.com or text in maybe something you're struggling with, we would love to pray for you. And uh, we would love to work with you and ask God to do a great work. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to take communion as a family together. So get ready uh, for that if you're watching it. God, thank you. I ask that you would take time, um, God, this morning to work on some hearts. Lord, if there's someone listening in online for maybe the first time, would you just open up their hearts, speak to them, say uh, that you love them, remind them that you love them, you sent your son for them. God, would you do a work in them that they might understand that Jesus died for them, rose from the dead. Holy Spirit, do a work in them. Father, I'm praying that your grace would be sufficient and we would watch people in a really unique and powerful way work this whole thing out. You are so good, Lord. We just love you. God, I pray that uh, you would take people that are struggling, they take some time to reflect on their sin, confess it to you, and you'd just provide that just overwhelming sense of relief and forgiveness, and they would press in to do what you've called them to do. Work out their salvation for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take time now just to...
confess, repent at home.